Welcome in, everybody. It is training camp week here in Houston. Get excited. And it's time for Texans All Access. John Harris here and the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer there. Mark, good evening. How are you doing? Johnny, I'm doing great. The guys are in the building. This is fun being here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio and seeing the players kick it around. Well, they're not really kicking around. It's probably a bad verb to use, yeah. but they're here and it's cool. And I can't wait for the first practice on Friday morning. We'll be out there live. We will. 8 to 10, Sports Radio 610. It'll also be, I would imagine, eventually on the app if you happen to miss it live. But don't miss it live. Do not miss a live show like this one. Don't miss this one. We have got to start the show, unfortunately, with some of the worst news we could possibly be bringing you. And it really, Mark, I got to be honest, when we got the text yesterday from our good friend Jay McDevitt, I just, I was speechless. I, I about fell off the couch like, this cannot be happening again. I can't believe yeah. this. We saw it happen in 2014 with David Quisenberry. So it happened in 2018 with Dre Howe. Just weird that it's every four years. And now it happens in 2022 with John Mechie the third. John mm -hmm. Mechie the third will miss more than likely this season dealing with leukemia. And I had to read the statement that came from the Texans that was quoting John. I had to read it, Mark, at least three different times. John Mechie dealing with leukemia. And, of course, all those thoughts kind of go back through your head. And I hate to say that we've been there, done that. But the first thought was, he's in Houston. The best place he could possibly be going through something like this in the city of Houston. And he's going to be okay. And we'll get past this. We'll see John Mechie play on a football field. He'll be safe. All those kind of things. Everything's just going back through your head that's went through your head. But David Quisenberry... And with Andre Howe and now going through with John Mechie. But what was your gut reaction, Mark, when you heard that news yesterday when Jay sent that statement to us? Well, same as you, Johnny. And and the first thing is, okay, he's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. This is the most treatable form. This is great news that on a personal health level, John Mechie is going to be okay. Now you go to the football stuff, right? Yep. And as far as the Texans having three players in the last 10 years with this, Mechie has not been on campus long enough to say, oh, it's Houston or the right. whatever, yeah, right. living in this area. No, it's completely different. This is a remarkable coincidence, and it hurts the wide receiving group. Again, I'm talking about a football point of view sure. here. The health is the most important thing. He's going to be okay, but he's got to do the work in terms of rehab, recovery, uh, ring that bell, whatever they do. Look, ringing the bell is not exactly part of the treatment. It's just a ceremonial thing, but sure. we all get it. And we all remember Quisenberry doing it. And look, he ended up starting for the number one seed in the AFC, right? Yeah. And Andre Howe came back and played really well. So we're hoping Mechie can do the same. But this year, Johnny, I'll throw it back to you. My expectations of Mechie this year, I was very hopeful that somehow he'd get to the starting line okay. Yeah. But I figured it might take a little bit. Look, you had Brevin Jordan last year inactive for the first few games. Whether it's health or not, maybe it's going to take a moment here for Mechie to get up to full speed coming back from the knee. A lot of people seem to forget that this is a huge factor, and there was a big question mark about Mechie anyway heading into camp. So I figured sometime during the season he'd be able to come through and play for the Texans. And what this does, football-wise, is obviously weaken your depth, if nothing else. It takes away a potentially great playmaker uh, who could have shined in his rookie year. You never know how that rookie year was going to go. 
And as you get injuries, if you get injuries, let's hope it's an if, not an as, get injuries, look, he'd be able to come in and play and maybe play at a very high level. So you don't have any of that right now. You've just thinned out the wide receiving core by one guy who you had good expectations for, at least throughout his career, if not this year. And you're just going to have to hope for maximum health for everybody else because you lose a playmaker. So what were your expectations without this? Without this ailment, I can't call it that, without this disease, yeah. uh, what were your expectations for Mechie as far as his availability in 2022? So, of course, the statement comes down and this, all these thoughts start flooding into your head. And I'll get to one that I want to discuss because the more I think about it, the more I feel like I'm crazy, but maybe not. But the first thing I thought of was, okay, he's going to be okay. That was, that was the first thought because we've seen this before. David, we saw it with Dre. He's going to be okay, first of all. Mentally, from a football standpoint, as you mentioned, from a football standpoint, I had already crossed off a half a season for him this year. All right. So that's well said, better said than mine, which was somewhat similar. Just mentally had crossed off half a year because he's going to take a while to come back from the ACL. Mm -hmm. Maybe I know he wants to be ready in July, and I remember after the draft him saying, yeah, I'll be ready for training camp. And I just remember thinking – there's no reason to push this. Yeah. There's really no reason Absolutely. to try and rush him out there and get him out on the field. Look, you want to get him out there, and you're excited about getting him out there, but there's no sense in rushing it. So in a really awful way, you're sort of protected from rushing him out there. If at all. Now, look, we've seen players come back from the ACL the following year and be fine. I mean, Adrian Peterson, I think, was the first one I remember back in 2012. Tore his ACL in 2011. It is maybe 10 or 11, but either way, he tore his ACL. He came back and he ran for over 2,000 next year. This is a running back. We've seen players come back from the ACL and be fine the following year. So that's neither here nor there. He could have come back, take the leukemia out of it. He comes back. At any point, game two, game nine, game 12, whatever, we were going to see him this year. So in my mind, though, I had actually just to be safe going into the year to not create any expectation for John at all prior to what we found out yesterday, half a year. Because you get your feet, even if he plays before that, gets his feet underneath him, it's going to take him a little bit to kind of get up to speed. By the time he gets to game nine, 10, 11, maybe he starts to get up to speed. So mentally, it had already taken about half of the season off for him anyways. So he misses another half of the year. And actually, I know, again, because we talk about football, we know we're going to miss him from a medical standpoint. So I, I get that. But just talking from a, med, from a football side, you're going to miss him for half a year. So you want to know how, how crazy my brain went at that point? Danny Amendola crazy? Nope. How, how crazy? About, how about trade for Debo Samuel crazy? That's pretty crazy. That's crazy. That's pretty crazy. John, <laughs> but, that, but that's where I went. Yeah. That's where I went. You're not doing that. I know. I understand. But then I talked myself into it. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I talked myself into it. I'm like, Nick. I had this conversation in my living room with Nick. I'm like, Nick, look, you got no Mechie. You're not going to have him this year, but you're going to get him. Ne- you're going to get him next year. Can you imagine having a receiving core with Nico and Brandon? And Mechie and Debo all together, mm. holy smokes, make the deal. I Listen, I don't know what's going to happen with Debo. You would 
think something can get done. If it hasn't gotten done by now, maybe that means he's sticking with San Francisco. I, I don't know. Maybe he gets the contract. Who knows? The, fan, the 49ers, I think, would be foolish to trade Debo Samuel. But I started thinking, you know, everybody's got a price. Nick, All right. Call them. Okay. Go get, go, I, Let's return to the planet Earth now. I no. know. No, it would be fun. I know. It would be fun. I think this, again, purely football, you need to know Mechie's health situation going into the draft. That would be very mm-hmm. helpful. I got to know that in 2023, I'm going to get healthy Mechie back from the knee, back from leukemia, which sounds bizarre to say. Yeah. But didn't Andre Howe come back very quickly? Yeah, he remember it happened in May and he was back for he was back for the bus game. I mean, that's wild. Yeah. That is back wild weeks. that so that was 2018. So yeah. 2018, week eight to week seven. So, I mean, it was in October, yeah, right? It was October in Jacksonville. Crazy mm-hmm. that he gets back that quickly. Now, Quesenberry took a lot longer, and yes. Quesenberry lost weight. Quesenberry right. had a long road back. We right. all remember him w- running up and down the hill uh, that uh, leads to the bridge that takes you over Kirby, the bridge that I want to paint red and call the Battle Red Bridge. I've been asking for that oh, for a dozen years, brilliant. and it's not happened. Well, because it's all political and there are things involved. Never mind, you. but I'd love to see it. It's you. an NRG bridge. It's kind of decked out in the NRG mm-hmm. logo mm-hmm. stuff. It's kind of cool. Anyway, we all saw Quesaberry working out there. It took him a long time to get back. So we don't know about Mechie, but hopefully it's pretty quick. Right. Might not be as quick as how. Might be a little longer, but at least available to practice in OTAs. That would be nice. Yep. And, you know, learn the system then and have Nick Casario know that in the 2023 draft, he doesn't have to take a receiver early unless he really wants to. There's an unbelievable player. He's like, yeah, we got to have him too. So that would be great. And as far as this year goes, look, let's, shall we go over the names? Shall we go over some of the guys that we're going to be looking at here? Let's go. Because Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, Philip Dorsett. Let me just start with those three right there. And there are others. That's a good start. And you have these good citizens who can make plays like Chris Conley and Chris Moore. Not sure how it's going to go when they get to their final five or six, whatever it's going to be. But you also have intriguing prospects here. We still want to see what Davion Davis does as a Houston Texan. Still want to see, does Drew Estrada, that's a name that many people don't know, uh, undrafted rookie out of Baylor, right? Yes. What he could possibly do. Don't bury the lead, though. He went to Dartmouth. He graduated from Dartmouth. All right. Don't bury the lead. Why is he listed as Baylor? Well, because he transferred to Baylor for his final year. He's from Argyle, Texas. Went to Dartmouth, transferred back to Baylor for his final year at Baylor. Oh, so he got the Ivy off of him. What? No. He cleansed himself of the Ivy. You've been trying to get the Ivy off of me for nine years. No, don't say that. That's Baylor waters. Bathed in the waters of Baylor, the Baylor baptism to get to the football field. But you bring up a great point. You bring up a great point. I wrote about this probably two weeks ago. And I wrote about the I, I I labeled it the five players that I was most curious about in training camp. And I wrote about the two Chris's. I wrote about them as one, Chris Moore, Chris Conley. And as I was writing about them, I'm thinking one of these guys, now depending on the math here, but as my thought process back a couple weeks ago was look, there's a lock four. There's a lock. Brandon Collins, Nico Collins, Phil Thorsett, and John Mechie. Lock. Those four are making the roster, no doubt. Now, are you keeping five or are you keeping six? And we've seen years of both. I think one year we saw them carry four receivers. Yes. So we've seen both. We've seen all, all three, four, five, six. My guess is that they would probably carry five, but maybe six, especially because if you keep the Chris's, you know they're going to contribute on special teams. So I thought at the time, those four, 
If you keep five, then you got to decide between the two Chris's at, at a minimum. Because I would imagine more or Conley going to make the team. Well, now if you keep five, now you could keep both Chris's. Right. If you keep six, now you can keep both Chris's and you could keep another young guy that you might want to try and develop. Maybe Johnny Johnson from out of Oregon, undrafted free agent, really impresses. And that's a guy you just have to keep around. But if you go to six, now you can keep both of the Chris's who have experience here, who can both participate on special teams. And away you go. If you keep five, you can keep both of them. Now, I don't want to say that there's a silver lining to John Mechie being out for the 2022 season. But if there is one, you kind of have to try and find one. If that, I'm an undrafted rookie, it's a silver lining. Well, that's exactly right. So if you're Johnny Johnson, if you're Drew Estrada, you're looking at this. You're Davion Davis. Chad Beebe, who came to this team very, very late in the process, you're going, hey, man, I got a shot at this. I definitely have a shot. It's one player, and it's one year. But you never know in that one year. I mean, you think when I think of Chad Beebe, I think about Minnesota. That makes me think of Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen needed one year. He needed one game. He had that one game against us. In 2016, that's all it took for Adam Thielen to burst on the scene in Minnesota. And before long, he went from being option number five or six to being the number one option before Justin Jefferson got How about there. a wild card? You want a wild card? Go for it. It's July 25th as we do this program, mm-hmm. right? It's the one-year anniversary of Anthony Miller being acquired yep. from the Chicago Bears. So How you about like my that? Debo Samuel trade trade option well there's a big difference between anthony miller and debo (laughs) samuel okay (laughs) in draft (laughs) capital required to make the deal and other things yes and a lot of other things but johnny i bring it up because maybe there is a wild card out there not named debo samuel maybe there's somebody else that nick casario has his eye on that he uses to fortify the position group i brought up amandola not entirely jokingly i don't know what he's doing right now he might be on a boat or in a deer blind or whatever is it not deer season somewhere? But whatever the case might be, there yeah. might be an extra guy out there that Nick Casario has his eyes on. I think you absolutely have to consider that. I think the one area, th- there are so many areas in which you can improve your team, and a lot of them take place before you get to training camp, offseason, you know, or free agency, draft, those kind of things. That's typically when you do it, but how often have we seen the waiver claims? That's another one. Damaris Johnson, 2014, waiver claim. We've seen other players be waiver claims that we've taken on over the years. Vernon Hargraves was a waiver claim. Those type players come in and they help you in some way, shape, or form, but you don't know you're going to end up claiming them on waivers until you get to the end of training camp. But how often over the years have we seen players we had no earthly idea? Like 2019, we get through the entire 2019, we look at a team thinking, yeah, it's a pretty good squad, really good team. Think you got an opportunity to do some things. Oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to trade to Devion Clowney. We're going to trade for Carlos Hyde. We're going to trade for Laramie Tunsil. And we're looking around going, what just happened? Yeah. So there's no telling what could happen at that receiver position. But I would imagine that as soon as Nick found out that news, he's doing the same thing that we did. And that was, we wish John Mechie well. We're going to be here for him for anything and everything possible. But from a football standpoint, all right, let's look at this receiver group. How do we feel going into training camp? How do we feel going into week one of the season? What happens, like in 2017, if we have a rash of injuries at the position in training camp? Yeah. I remember being at the Greenbrier, and they were just running guys out there. They were. They it was were. Nuts. And some guys looked pretty good. Yeah. Bruce and Ellington the- ended up getting a job. 
There was one uh, who's wide receiver from Alabama, White. Uh, DeAndre White. DeAndre White, who's from Houston. Oh, he had a tremendous practice one day. I thought, he's going to the Pro Bowl. Yes. And then and, he got hurt. Yeah. And so then much. you're now looking for more guys. So, yeah. This, you at least have some clarity on the situation. You're, you're not going to be asked about, hey, when's Mechie coming back? Because you know in 2022 he's not. So, for, from John's side of it, learn the scheme. Stay around the team as much as you possibly can. Stay involved as much as you possibly can. I think there will be another player added. I think there are a lot of reps here for these guys. You mentioned the Jalen Camps of the world. People whose names might be mildly familiar to listeners of us and of other 610 shows maybe from time to time. But these guys don't get a lot of ink, a lot of airtime, right? So we'll see how it goes. Ink, what's that? Well, kids, we used to have the printing press. Never mind. But the receiver group did take a hit. Again, pure football talk here on the Mechie situation. Did take a hit, and we'll see how it goes. Connor Weddington. Bill's Weddington chemistry. It's a Stanford thing. I've thought about this. I can't remember who it was. There's PFF or ESPN or whomever did position rankings, and I think for the Texans, they just automatically, well, we're going to start the Texans at 32. They're just going to start them there, and it just felt like that was the way. Mm-hmm. And I know there are a lot of people look at this receiver core and, and, and think, wow, man, Mechie, that's a, that's a really big loss. Like I said in my head, I had kind of discounted him half a season anyways. I, I feel pretty good about what the receiver group can do between Brandon Cooks and Nico those two, you mentioned Phil Dorsett. I think he's mm-hmm. an absolute, I don't want to call him an X factor, but what we saw in OTAs and minicamps, I think it was easy to forget about Dorsett because, yes, he did make some big plays for you in 2021. However, then he gets hurt, so he's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And then you go out to OTAs and you're like, hey, who's four? Oh, that's Dorsett. Whoa, man, he looks good. Yeah. And then you'd see him in another practice. Like, he really He's good. automatically in right. the top five of this group. Now, that could change. Maybe one of the other guys shines like crazy. Yeah. Somebody rises up, knocks them out, whatever the case may be. But when you bring up, you feel pretty good about the group. That, I don't want to say all hinges, but so much of that, a huge chunk of that is Nico. Yes. Nico in year uh, two no has to go from Absolutely. whatever he was, which was pretty good at the end of the year, to even better, solid, consistent, red zone threat, deep ball th- threat all over the field. He's a big target for Mills. Good stuff. Run those routes. And if he can do that, if he can make that big jump, now you have a group that's in pretty good shape, assuming health, because Brandon Cooks, I don't care what anybody says, he's a top 15 guy at the outside. He's one yes. of the best in the league, and he's on your team. So that's awesome. When it pertains to Nico, if you – if you've known Nico out and about, if you've seen Nico out and about, you got to know him a little bit. He's the nicest young man you've ever met. I mean, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. I mean, the nicest guy. Always got a smile. I mean, he is just a gem of a human being. I want him to unleash his Bobby Boucher, his inner Bobby Boucher this year. Mm. Because the one thing that I noticed on the field last year was that not that Nico was too nice at times, but there were times when something would happen in a game where, I don't know, maybe a, a pass he was supposed to catch, he got caught for interference or didn't make the catch or wasn't able to hang on on the sidelines or whatever. When he went to a level of, of I don't want to say anger, but just 
this Bobby Boucher, like during this play, I'm going to be a totally different guy. And he wanted to show a guy up. He would embarrass people physically running away from him. I mean, he, you're right. He could absolutely be that guy that changes the whole dynamic of not just the receiver group, but the offense with what he's able to do. And I think back to hop back in 2014, hop was coming off 2013. We had seen him do some good things, but 2013 was just a bust for everybody. He wasn't a bust, but Hop had, I think, 50 catches that year. But a lot was expected. He was a first-rounder, et cetera. But then what happened in 2014? He went to a different level. He oh, yeah. went to 80 catches or something like that. He was making the big catches. Ball magnet. He, yes. And Andre was still here. Yeah. Andre caught 95 passes that it's year. It's hard to believe. They played two years together. Yeah. And so DeAndre took that leap from year one to year two. He went from being a really athletic guy coming out of college, still kind of finding his game, to all of a sudden year two was like, please throw the ball to 10. This guy's ridiculous. Johnny, Andre Johnson, too. From yes. 03 to 04 was a very different situation. It was still David Carr throwing the ball, but in 04 you saw the improvement. Right. Massive improvement. The hands, the route running, all of it got better in 04, and it was still David Carr slinging the rock. Yeah, and I and that's where I hope Nico gets to. Not that he gets to 80 catches like Hopper or whatever Drake did in 04. Did Drake go yeah. to the Pro Bowl in 04? Or I did he go the next so. year? I, I believe, no, 05 was a bust season, and yeah, Jerome yeah, yeah. Mathis was the only Texan to go to the Pro Bowl. So I'm not saying that Nico needs to get to that particular level, but what he showed in OTAs in minicamp, where he tantalized us all last year. I mean, and keep in mind, 2021 was coming off a year in which he didn't play football at all in 2020, other than the Senior Bowl. Yeah. It was the only football he played. So Man. if you shake off that year of rust, you go out there and show that, yes, you definitely belong on an NFL field. You've got the si height, weight, speed that you're looking for at that particular position. I mean, you, you, you fawn over a guy with those kind of skills. You just hope, and I hope, that he just unleashes that kind of Bobby Boucherness. Just get angry. We're leaving somebody out. Who are we leaving out? And he doesn't even play receiver as a position group. Brevin Jordan. Yes. Yeah. He can really help the situation. Yes, there's no doubt. You know, Mechie, no Mechie, whatever you want to think about the receiving group. Brevin Jordan's part of the receiving group. Yeah, yes. he's a tight end. No doubt. I don't disagree. And I know you've brought this up, but red zone threat, ability to make plays in the slot, things like that. It's going to be very interesting with these two sophomore players now, Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan. You you have learned well, Grasshopper. That is exactly what I've been thinking about this receiver group because I think of five or six, I'm like, well, you can keep five because you got Brevin. Yeah. Brevin Brevin is like having a receiver. So I I like the way you think. He's like an advanced Steven Anderson, like what you wanted yeah. Steven Anderson to be. Yeah, Anderson could make plays on occasion. You know, he had ability. That game they had up in Nashville where they had no receivers. 2017. Yeah, and Steven Anderson was playing receiver. Did he make that big catch on fourth and long? He did. Remember yeah. the one? He, yeah, the one from Savage. He got slide underneath and make yeah. the catch. Yeah, he incredible. Was, he was pretty good. The Patriots had on the practice squad for a while. Right. A whole lot longer than they had Kahale wearing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny because, I mean, you know, they gave him a much longer look. until you mentioned that. You know, yeah. wear, wearing, somebody would sign him, and then a day later he's gone. Like, wait, what? Poor guy. Wait, we Poor have guy. to have that guy.
No, we don't. Oh, I hate to pick on Colin people. Waring at all. did so. Uh, He's a nice kid, and you know what? I guess it's just getting the playbook route right. Whatever the situation is, they get him in there yeah. stable, and they're like, mm, not exactly what we're looking for. Look, it's hard, folks. This is professional football. It's not for everybody. It's just tough because every, you know, I I was one of the first ones to talk about how hard it is to play water polo, and he'll be fine. It's just anyways. Uh, no, will <laughs> be fine. He'll be, he'll be fine. No, be it's fine didn't, at water polo. It didn't turn out that way. But you're right, Brevin. If you think about Mechie and how Mechie is going to be used on the in, interior uh, more than likely. It's tantalizing. Well, how do you replace that? You replace that with a guy like Brevin Jordan and where he can win. And Brevin is very, very good after the catch. And Brevin is going to more than likely draw a different cover guy than John Mechie will. And so maybe that leads to more advantages for Brevin. So interesting times at receiver. But again, if you missed the news, John Mechie to miss 2023 dealing with leukemia. He will undergo treatment asap and we will get him back for 2023 obviously we want to see him healthy uh and we want him to be a texan for a very very long time mark i love mike sando from the athletic every single year he puts out his quarterback tears he put it out and i want to hit you with a few things that anonymous nfl people have said about quarterbacks in this league and get your thoughts next right here in texans all access right here in texans all access Right here at Texans All Access. Right here. Welcome back to Texans All Access. John Harris along with Mark Vandermeer. Mark, I always, well, this is a time of year where we get a lot of lists. We've been talking about Madden. But one of the lists I always wait to see is Mike Sandoz from The Athletic. Mm-hmm. He's been covering, he's been covering for about 25 years. He knows a lot of people in the league, which makes his quarterback tears article I think must read because he gets anonymous quotes too. I love that. I, I love, love it's that Field part. Sports Illustrated, a scout's take yes. or behind enemy lines, and yes. they actually have a quote, an anonymous quote from a scout. I love anonymous quotes. I love this. In so, this context. Yes, in not this context. Not about me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, not, not about you. Okay. So he splits it up into tiers, and his obvious – his tears are all different, but he, he describes all of them, and he has the people that help him with the rankings. They talk in those terms where they'll say, oh, I think this guy's a one, but sometimes he plays like a two. Right. And that's the way he goes about it. Obviously, tier one, you know, Pro Bowl level, there's your Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's the number one quarterback on the list. So tier one, a tier one quarterback can carry his team each week. The team wins because of him. He expertly handles pure passing situations he has no real holes in his game. So that's tier one. Tier one has six quarterbacks. Ooh. The, and you just read the description. That's the description. I don't think there are six guys in the league like that. Go ahead. Give well, me the you know six. the four. Who are the four? Brady, Mahomes, Rodgers, Allen. Those are the four. There are two okay. more. There are two more. Think. Two more. And here's what makes it very interesting. Are we going young now? Or are we going Joe Burrow? Think. Class of 2020. Joe Burrow's one. Who's the other? Herbert. Herbert's the other. Herbert actually comes in ranked ahead of Burrow. Said an offensive coach about Herbert. Man, I was so impressed with him live. He's a chance to do something special. He's the best pure thrower of the three young guys, Herbert, Allen, Burrow. I didn't realize he was that athletic. One of our studs was chasing him down, and he got around him and was laughing at him the whole time. The competitive spirit, the athletic ability, I saw a freaking stud in our game. Why did people miss? What did they not see 
going into that draft. It's interesting because that when you watched him at Oregon, I got really frustrated watching him because there was I watched him I watched him a number of times. I watched him in the Washington game, and the first drive of the Washington game, he makes three NFL throws in the first drive. He makes one throw. I swear to you, Mark, when I was watching that game, I watched it 25 times because I just loved it. He threw it from the far hash on a rope, on a, on a deep out to the other sideline and put it on the money. I mean, on the money. And I thought, wow. But then he'd come back the next drive and he'd kind of spray it. He was throwing bubble screens and was like, they didn't really kind of maximize all of that. When mm-hmm. I saw him at the Senior Bowl that year, I remember thinking, whoa, he looks different. He looks really good. And I remember thinking at the time, I had just seen Josh Allen the year before, or two two years before. I had never seen anybody throw with that kind of velocity. I'm watching Herbert, and I'm like, he's throwing with the same type of velocity. This guy's got that at least. But I couldn't get over kind of the inconsistent nature of that within a game. And you saw it sort of slow down near the end of his career, but you thought, nah, you're going to get the NFL. He's going to go back to that. He never did. He mm. never did. He never went back to that. Uh, Joe Burrow came in sixth. That ended up tier one. So the four we talked about, and then Herbert Burrow, tier two. Tier two quarterback can carry his team sometimes, but not as consistently. He can handle pure passing situations in doses and or possess other dimensions that are special enough to elevate him above tier three. He has a hole or two in his game. Okay. Shoot. Matthew Stafford is in that category. Yeah, he's got a hole or two in his game. He... He leads that. Uh, so that's – he's number seven. One Deshaun Watson is in there. An evaluator said a tier one distraction is what Watson is. It blows me away paying the all-time NFL contract for a tier two player. Ooh. Said another GM, I can't believe that the Browns did what they did. There's just too many unknowns. I know Andrew Barry, and I just can't picture him doing that. Take the contract out of there, just making this guy the face of your franchise and really not knowing, do we have him this year do we not have him this year? Will other stuff come up? I just can't imagine doing that. Then there's Lamar Jackson. Listen to what this defensive coordinator said about Lamar Jackson. And I quote, if he has to pass to win the game, they ain't winning the game. He's so unique as an athlete, and he's really, he's really a good football player. But I don't care if he wins the league MVP 12 times I don't think he'll ever be a one as a quarterback. He'll be a one as a football player, but not as a quarterback. So many games come down to two minute, and that is why they have a hard time advancing even when they are good on defense. Playoffs are tight. You have to be able to throw the ball, and he is just so inconsistent throwing the ball. It is hit or miss. I think he's unique, and some of that is fair, but I think the Ravens are in great shape with him. With healthy, happy Lamar, you're in great shape. You play his brand of football, and you win. This is a franchise, and I hate defending the Ravens. My gosh, this is really painful. This is a franchise that won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. Elite Joe Flacco. Yeah. Only longtime sports radio listeners will get that reference, maybe. (laughs) But the thing is, I I do believe they made the right choice, and it's the right choice to give him a lot of money. I think he can win you a lot of games, and he can win you a championship. It's just going to be a little bit different than some of the other guys. Yeah, I think so. And, by the way, going back to Tier 1, to me, Burrow and Herbert, as good as they are, and I know Burrow's already been to a Super Bowl. Herbert has yet to go to the playoffs, could have, would have, should have last year. 
I still don't like putting them up with the other four, considering they haven't done it. Now, Mahomes has won a Super Bowl. I know Josh Allen has not, but at least he's been to the playoffs a couple of times. I know Burrow has a Super Bowl. I got it. Mm-hmm. But I just think the amount of experience does come into play. You got to do it over a little bit longer period of time. But the potential is there, obviously, for those guys to be total tier ones. I want to go to tier three. Do it. Tier three quarterback is a legitimate starter, but needs a heavier run game and or defensive component to win. A lower volume drop back passing offense suits him best. So they have Derek Carr in tier three. They have Derek Carr. Ooh, oh, don't tell me. No, no, no. They have Derek in tier two. Okay, he's tier two. Yeah, he's tier Wait, two. Wait, did you read me all the tier twos? No, I didn't. All right, so you got to Lamar Jackson, then you stopped. Yeah, I did. Sorry, because I wanted okay. to move forward. Uh, after Lamar. All right. Dak. Carr at 12. Okay. Kyler at 13. Ooh. Matt Ryan at 14, and that's where tier two stops. I don't know if Kyler is quite there yet. Yeah, I don't know. I would put Kyler in three, and that's not an insult. I, you just got to be more consistent. I know they won a lot of games last year. You know what the worst narrative is on the Cardinals? They don't have any weapons. Oh, really? Stop with <laughs> Every that. Every time I watch highlights, it's like they're making plays left and mm-hmm. right with different players, and I know this year is going to be a little, di- uh, maybe a lot different. Hopkins yeah. out six games, no Kirk. I get that. But last year? I don't know. And somebody said, well, they have another Hall of Famer in A.J. Green. Is A.J. Green a Hall of Famer? I don't oh. know about that. He's bordering on the Hall of Very Good. But he's also got Zach Ertz, who you could argue is he, a Hall of Famer, he too. He was awesome. Uh, and no matter where you put Green, he's awesome. And he was. Right. And he might be able to help You'd have still. Rondell Moore? Yeah. I mean, you're not. Adding Ertz? I mean, they were flying high when we saw them, and they had just added Ertz. So Tier 3 starts with Kirk Cousins. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo at 16, Tannehill 17, Matt Jones 18. All right, so let's watch this now. Cousins, go ahead, Garoppolo, been to a Super Bowl and another NFC Championship game, and they're right, strong stuff around him. Go ahead. Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, number one seed in the AFC, but only one playoff win. Yeah, Coach. No, two, two, because they beat the Patriots and the Ravens. Right. Coach said about him, he's probably a three, maybe a three-plus. Mm-hmm. My heart broke for him that he played so poorly in that playoff game, quote unquote. Okay. You must like him. Yeah. His heart broke. Yeah. This is a GM talking. I guess. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a coach. Sorry, it's a coach. All right. Uh, Mac Jones, eighteen. Baker Mayfield, nineteen. Are we giving a little too much to Mac Jones? Yeah. I know he did well as a rookie, but he had a good team around him. Here's a hot take. Is it a hot take? Put Davis Mills. Oh, boy. He needed a little bit more experience. Well, I'm, get, I'm getting there. All right. Put Mills in the Patriots organization last year with everything they have in their defense in mm-hmm. place. I'm not saying it's as good right away because Mills has got to get seasoned, right? Sure. He was better toward the end of the season. I don't, I don't think it's that far off, though. Go ahead. So later on in Tier 3, Trevor Lawrence comes up. This is what? What? Yeah. One voter said, hard to judge with the surrounding talent and the situation oh, down there. Go. The apologists. But we didn't walk away from that game like we did the year before with Joe Burrow going, okay, yeah, this guy is the bleeping guy. All right, hang on a second. Who is this? This is some coach. Hang on. All right. Or one voter, it says. Okay, one voter, which is either a coach or a GM, right? In yeah. Sando's article. Mm-hmm. Johnny, hang on a sec. I saw Burrow, too, before he got hurt mm-hmm. in 2020. And it was a very different situation yes, than Trevor Lawrence last year. Oh, that's what this judge, that's what he's saying. That's no. what he's saying is that it's, 
No, but he's saying, well, we had the same feeling. Yeah. No. Did you have that feeling? No, no, no. No, I had a tremendous feeling. Oh, when Burrow comes back, watch out, it's lights out. Yeah. I didn't get that feeling from Lawrence. Now, it could still be there. Yeah. But I don't know how you make that comparison. Of course, I work in broadcasting, and this guy works in pro football coaching or scouting, so what do I know? A head coach said, "Yeah, I don't think he's a natural thrower of the football. It's not effortless for him. Trevor said, Lawrence. Said an offensive oh. assistant about Trevor Lawrence. He's That's... a little stiff-wristed. Didn't have as loose of an arm slot as I expected to see. Natural thrower of the football sounds like Greg Cosell language to me. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, then another head coach said, oh, then the same head coach said, but he is a fantastic athlete. He is a playmaker. I do think Trevor is going to excel playing for Doug Peterson. Boy, they think so little of Jacksonville's talent from last year. Yeah. So little. But I yeah. get it. Urban Meyer didn't work. So then uh, after Lawrence, Jameis Winston at 24, then we get to tier four. Okay. A tier four quarterback could be an unproven player, not enough information for voters to classify, or a veteran who ideally would not ideally would not start all 17 games. This section starts with Justin Fields. Then it moves to Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I was going to say, where's Tua on this list? And then at 27... Davis Mills. Is our guy Davis Mills. This is what a defensive coordinator who faced Mills said. And I quote, I love this kid. I think he is so poised. He stands in the pocket. He is able to deliver the ball. I think he knows where to go with the ball. He throws a pretty ball. He throws a catchable ball. He sees the field. He's a three. Ooh, he's a three. How does that taste? All right. Well, here's now this one becomes interesting because there's, <laughs> we haven't even there's opened a camp yet. <laughs> there's a player comp that I think is interesting here with Mills. Okay, go a ahead. A personnel director said really like his composure. He makes plays in the passing game. Doesn't have the best arm, but is an adequate passer. He I'm reminds on pins me and needles right here. He reminds me of a better Andy Dalton. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the letdown on your face was awesome. Because <laughs> uh, all the thoughts are coming through. Like, wait a second. Andy Dalton got the Bengals in 11. They go to the playoffs for five straight years. Five straight years of the playoffs. He goes to the Pro Bowl a couple of times. He had a lot of talent, man. But I give him credit for that. And the Bengals were horrible before he got there. And he brought them to where he brought them, which is nowhere in the postseason. But at least he got them there five times. Wait a minute. So this anonymous pro football marathon, oh, defensive coordinator, said Mills. Personnel director. Personnel director. Yep. The comp is Mills. He said is a better Andy Dalton. Better Andy Dalton. Okay, I'll take a better Andy Dalton. Will you take a better Andy Dalton that, from Mills right now? A former head Monty asks you. But I want to bring you down a little bit now. Wayne Brady. Oh, you're going to bring me down. A Somebody's former say, head coach right. said, how about all the hype on Davis Mills? I just don't see it. First of all, <laughs> what planet is this guy living on? The hype of Davis Mills. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I'm not noticing some hype here. A different... A, Different personnel director called Mills, quote-unquote, pretty interesting for his anticipation and accuracy, suggesting Mills is, quote-unquote, going to surprise a lot of people this season. A former GM said, and maybe you should stress the word former here, he's done some good things, but doing good things when your team is no good, that is a whole different thing. He is still a four to me. I have yet to see 
legitimate starter in him. Look, four is fair because your description of four, Mm -hmm. Sandoz, was quarterback who you need to see more. Right. It's incomplete. We saw five good starts at the end of the year, you know, mostly good things or a lot of good Mm -hmm. things, however you want to define that. You need to see more, and we're about to, folks. September 11th, NRG Stadium against the Colts. It is coming. It's coming very fast. But coming up next, we'll go around the league. Training camp has started in various places. We'll talk about that. And then some next right here in Texans All Access. Next right here in Texans All Access. Next right here. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris. As we go around the NFL, we are going to focus on Arizona, where the Cardinals got a brand new black helmet with Cardinal glitter flakes. That's not really why we are here. This really stems from a tweet that Ian Rapport put out about two hours ago. Actually, probably further further ago. It was about lunchtime. It was probably about five, six hours ago. Anyways, he tweeted this. Contracts are about give and take. One example from Kyler Murray's $230.5 million contract. There's an addendum that requires four hours of independent study per game week. It was important to the team making a commitment at that level. Thus, it was important to Murray. Now, not totally sure about it being important to Murray, but I've seen a lot of conjecture about this. I would be a little worried if this were my quarterback, oh my gosh, you have to put this in for your $231 million quarterback to actually study outside the building. I'm not sure what of that is true, but I don't think it's a terrible thing to put in a contract. Look, we expect you as the quarterback of this team to put in the time outside the building. Now, there are some guys that don't spend a lot of time outside the building doing anything uh, that pertains to football because they do it all inside the building. They get inside the building, man, they're chopping up film. They're staying until 7, 8 o'clock at night, whatever the case might be. There's some quarterbacks, Peyton Manning being one of them, Drew Brees. Man, those guys lived and died for film. Phil Rivers, same thing. Those guys dying to watch film, dying to put in those four hours. Tom Brady, of course. Whether Kyler Murray is that guy or not, you could surmise the way things have gone at the end of seasons that, yeah, maybe Kyler wasn't putting all the work that maybe he should have. Maybe he was making uh, the plays out on the field just because he's always made those particular plays. Maybe he's never really learned how to put that time in. Maybe he's have, never really had a veteran. Now, I, I don't think that's the case because I think Colt McCoy is a great veteran to have around, and Colt was around him for at least a year. So I don't know exactly where this comes from, but it is very interesting that it became public. I'm not sure if the Murray side, Eric Burkhardt, his agent, saw that as a positive of Kyler, that he would be doing that, not realizing that people would think he hasn't been doing it, and boy, that would set off alarm bells. I don't know. But the fact that it got out to the public is rather interesting, and so maybe the conjecture is right. Maybe the fact that Kyler hasn't been doing that and the Cardinals felt they had to put that in a contract should set off alarm bells for days. Or maybe it's just, look, we put this in here. We put this in a lot of contracts. It's just a lot of those contracts never get out to the public. Who's to say? But good luck to Kyler and the Cardinals with that brand new black helmet with red glitter flakes, which is actually kind of cool. Honestly. All right, that's going to do it. A big thanks to Austin back in studio, to Mark for joining me, to all you for listening. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.